When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to a special edition, a Cotton Bowl Buckeye Talk. Uh, if you want to talk about the playoff, go listen to Tide Talk from AL.com. I don't know if they had that podcast or not. But those guys are going to the playoff. The Ohio State Buckeyes are not. Tim Bielek, Bill Andis, Doug Maurice, and the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on uh, late afternoon on Sunday. This is our post-game, post-playoff Buckeye Talk. Ohio State didn't make it. We had done a video on the field in Indianapolis on Saturday night where I said they should make it. Tim and Bill said Alabama should make it. But all three of us said they will make it. Why were we so sure? And, and we apologize. We're not really going to take questions from you guys on this one because we're just going to talk about all the stuff that you want us to talk about anyway. Um, why were we wrong? Because And it's like, why was the conventional wisdom wrong? Because it felt like to me that the, the overall, if there was a trend of thought, it was that maybe Alabama should, like it matched you guys, maybe Alabama should get in, but I think Ohio State will get in. Why was why were people wrong? I think it was difficult to identify who like actually the fourth best team in the country was, and I'm not so sure either team is. That's why I said I didn't think Ohio State deserved to be in because I didn't feel like I was watching a top four team in the country in the Big Ten championship, and I don't think Alabama is either. But like one of them had to be it. I don't think there was another. People pumped up USC. I thought that, that was kind of fake. I don't, I don't think USC actually had a shot. Um, but I think we were wrong. At least I think I was wrong because I just felt like. The, the argument in the end would have been much easier to make in Ohio State's case than it would have been for Alabama because Alabama didn't win the SEC. The SEC was down this year. Um, was it Chris Fowler who, who made that point? Yeah, yeah, on, on the, ESPN. On the Chris ESPN. Pa- for Chris, yeah. I thought it was a point well made that the SEC, uh, especially to its own standard, was, was not as good as it has been in years past, and then Alabama didn't win that conference. Um, the Big Ten is probably the best conference in college football based on the committee's rankings, and Ohio State won it. I mean, for all its flaws, it won the best conference in college football, and I just felt like that would be easier justification because if we're going to get bombarded with people with pitchforks saying they were wrong either way, um, I thought they would take the easier road. And I don't. Maybe you want to give the committee credit for not doing it. I don't know, but that's why I was wrong. Why were you wrong, Tim? <laughs> I think, based on what Kirby Hoke had said multiple times throughout the day Sunday, I think we all kind of underestimated. The 31-point loss at Iowa. We talked about it in the moment about how it was the end of the playoff, that a lot of crazy things would have to happen, and maybe it needed one more crazy thing to happen, and it didn't happen. Like TCU somehow beating Oklahoma and knocking them out. I think think ultimately they never marginalized the 31-point loss. It sounded like, based on the way Curry Hoka talked, that that was a non-starter. Like, 
like Alabama would have had to done something drastically bad for them to not make it, even though Ohio State had a resume beating top three, top 16 teams, and Alabama's best win, according to their their top 25, was number 17 LSU, and they be, they lost to Troy. Alabama's loss went against a three-loss division champ in Auburn, who then lost by, I believe, 21 points to Georgia in the SEC championship game. I think all those factors just were overbalanced, apparently, by that 31-point loss to Iowa, and then just when you talk about the eye test, Ohio State just being inconsistent, particularly in the second half of the season. Can I say that I have lost all faith in the playoff committee? Mm-hmm. Is that an okay stance to take? Sure. Here's my comparison. I was just thinking about this. And, and uh, by the way, I would like to take a brief moment to say, in our last midweek Buckeye talk, I think I possibly offended the Amish, and I apologize for that. <laughs> I offended perhaps some of our loyal listeners um, by, I think, so, telling someone to delete their account. Mm-hmm. Don't delete it. I apologize for that. So as I take former football coaches to the woodshed, I will try to do it more respectfully because it's not... Okay. They drive me crazy. Here's my comparison. In the criminal justice system, you have people who go out and arrest the criminals... But the people who arrest the criminals are not in charge of trying the criminals. Because the people who arrest the criminals put their lives on the line arresting the criminals. They walk the street every day knowing that there is danger around the corner. And that is an incredibly difficult job. But I understand separating that because those people, because the job is so difficult, are not the right people to then judge the criminals. You need a little separation because you can't escape that life experience. Those people shouldn't have to escape that life experience. You know what I mean? Like that is an unbelievable thing that police officers do for us every day. But there's two different jobs. Coaching football is hard. You work crazy hours. You don't see your kids. You watch a lot of film. You say a lot of swear words. You eat poorly. I don't want those people sitting in a room and logically thinking about who should get in. Because if you had a bunch of cops trying criminals... It, it just, you wouldn't have a fair view of things. And when you got a bunch of old football coaches, hey, back in 1967, let me tell you, Gene Stallings, remember Gene? I wouldn't, I would rather cut off my toe than play the Crimson side. So I'm telling you, you know what? You know who? Bear Bryant. Like, cram it. I don't want that in that room. And I think that's in that room. Especially... When you took two of the five athletic directors out of the most important argument because they had to recuse themselves because somehow it's a good idea to have two ADs from two of the most powerful football programs in the country on the football committee where they can't talk about anything. So Gene Smith and Dan Radakovich are out of the room. And then you took one of the old football coaches, Frank Beamer, out of the room too. So now you're left with ten people, four of whom are crusty old football coaches, one of whom's a media guy, one of whom's a lifelong NCAA staffer, one of whom is a university president, and then three more ADs. And those 10 people, 10 people, how many people are are there in America? 
70 billion, is that right? Like 300 some million. Okay, 10 people! It's already only 13. They took almost 25% of the committee and kicked them out in the hallway and told them to get Starbucks while they said, hey, we're going to decide the thing that matters the most. It is a flawed group of people, and I just reject the notion that crusty old football coaches are the best way to judge this because this is not about watching film and figuring out whose three technique plays the run better. It's about looking at who has better wins, who has worse losses, who has a better resume, who's a better, who's a better football team. And like, like watching film is a component of that, but I think they get caught up and tied up in things. And there are people in that room who just, like you said, couldn't get rid of the 31 point loss. Talked about how Alabama's uh, big old, big old uh, bell cows are, are so tough. And that was the decision. And I think it's a disservice to college football that that is where we are. I know people hate computers, but I'd rather be I'd rather be like in the future than in the past. And I think this committee right now is stuck in the past. There's no but there's only three people under the age of fifty. There are no analytical people. It's it's a bunch of old football coaches who get wrapped up in themselves, who get wrapped up in an eye test that's based on the way football was played in 1983, and it's wrong. If you play a certain way, you know what? If you study, they favor pro-style offenses. They favor teams that, that have good defensive numbers. And it, oh, that spread offense. I don't know that bubble screen. I don't know what. I, I, I think it's bad. I think it's bad, and I thought it was bad last year when they didn't take Penn State, and I think it's bad again, and I have lost faith in the college football committee. I think there's got to be a happy medium between the, the the BCS, which was all resume, and the college football playoff committee, which appears to be all eye tests. You've yep. got to have a happy medium somewhere. By the way, I love your old, crusty old coach impression. Arr. I think you should just talk the rest of the podcast in that way. Please yeah. don't. Please, <laughs> please don't. But <coughs> hurts it, my voice. But it is kind of funny you mentioned talking about being in the future. We went backwards in time to try and find a system to find four football teams. And it's like we try. It's like we tried too hard to get away from a, a system of the BCS that almost nobody liked. When I think, really, there's no such thing as a perfect system. Bill, Bill, I think disagrees. He's looking off into the distance and pondering. No. Also, he's very, very tired. Super, super tired. <laughs> no, I don't disagree. I think, I think the eye test matters. I think the eye test is what makes this different from the BCS. Um, but I, I fully agree that you can become too reliant on the eye test. I certainly agree that diversity of opinion and like experience in that room is important and there doesn't seem to be much of it so I'm all in favor of what you said I was just going to say that I think that you should have prefaced your rant which I largely agree with with the idea that like, you're not saying that to defend Ohio State's position correct you wrote that you wrote that before the rankings even came out I think it's a fundamental flaw that we would have been talking about if Ohio State was in um so yeah, I think it's been. We've had four years of this. I think there's enough evidence to suggest that maybe it needs to be tweaked a little bit. And I think the thing that is hard is that we went from let's let's put everything in the computer. Here's here's a poll. Here's another poll, and here's six computer rankings that we merge, and that's a third, a third, a third, and we put it in the in the adding machine, and out pops your teams. And now we've gone too far the other way. I I realized that I don't like. Do whatever you want. Yeah. 
It's like, what is the – do whatever you want. Because Kirby, Kirby Hocutt was talking about the parameters they have, which are conference championships, head-to-head matchups, common opponents. But they only get to that if their eye test whatever we want to do stuff is sort of tied. Yeah. He reinforced that, that we always say, look, conference champions, boom, boom. That is the tiebreaker. It's like when, it, when you say, you know, when, when, when teams are tied in a division, you're like, oh, if they tied, what, are the, what is the next thing? But if, but if somebody has a better record than the other team, nobody ever goes to the tiebreakers. Right. It is clear those are tiebreakers. And for two years in a row, they did not get to the tiebreakers. And the reason they didn't get to the tiebreakers is we thought they were better. That's it. We thought they were better. And I don't trust them anymore. And I didn't trust them last year when Ohio State got in. And I don't trust them now. And I, I do. And the thing that's weird, it's like I don't think it's TV ratings. I don't think it's. Like the kind of things, the conspiracy theories that people As if like. People it, aren't going to watch Ohio State Clemson. Yeah, I mean, people, like, yeah. like people. I don't. I don't think it's like the thing that I think it could be is brand because in the end, it's like in 1983, Alabama was good at football and Oregon wasn't. Mm-hmm. So if those two teams get head to head, Alabama's now. The thing is, Ohio State and Alabama have both always been good, so they can talk Woody Hayes, they can talk Bear Bryant. Um, but it just I'm just more – I said the whole time it was 50-50, and if you were certain that it was going to go one way or the other, that was wrong in itself. You couldn't be certain. And I said the whole time they'll just reverse engineer it and justify whatever they do. But I'm surprised at how upset I am because I don't respect their process and the way they talk about it. Yeah. No, you see – like when it, we were in the Ohio State's team room when the announcements came out. And you did seem you seem more surprised than I thought. You like I don't even know if you might have had like an utteral response to it when you yeah. saw Alabama pop up. I was more surprised than I thought I would be. Yeah, I I'm not I'm not like, I'm not I'm not totally surprised. Again, like I said before, like I thought that they they had two decisions. I thought one was easier than the other, and they chose the more difficult one. And in that way, I'm surprised. But my mind's not blown that they chose Alabama. Um, it sort of falls in line with all the things we've talked about. They and we talked about it before the rankings came out. They like you said they. Um, Pick the best four, reverse engineer it to make it make sense. It's just that this this logic doesn't make sense. Um, even their logic last year made a little bit of sense when you looked at Ohio State's resume as a non-champion. They still had was a three top ten wins, two on the road. Like I don't, Alabama has nothing. They have nothing to point to other than we think they're better. And I, I, it's, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. I'm not arguing on behalf of Ohio State. It just happens that Ohio State's the only other team that's kind of like in the conversation. Um, I just yeah, I'm not I'm not super satisfied with their decision and the logic behind it. Like their two best wins were close. Their two best wins were like each a touchdown, basically, right? LSU and Mississippi State. Yes. And then they blew out a bunch of terrible teams. Mm-hmm. So like for instance, like Ohio State has a blowout win over a good team in Michigan State. Yeah. And again, the idea that I've been putting out there is for a long time I always gave the SEC a lot of respect because I thought the Big Ten was so bad, it was just harder in the SEC to look good every week because you got worn down by tough competition. That flipped this year. Alabama didn't get worn down by anybody. It doesn't wear you down to beat Tennessee or to beat Vanderbilt or to beat Ole Miss. But it does wear Ohio State down to go and have to rally like that against Penn State and then come back the next week and play terrible. That, that like, it, it's one of those things. Do you think in some way, shape, or form that, that Ohio State's terrible performance at Iowa was influenced by the week before in some fashion? I think you, could, you have to consider that. I wrote about it, I think, actually after that game uh, in a Big Ten power ranking, saying, 
did the Big Ten cost itself a playoff spot by being too good? And I think we got our answer today. It was like, yeah, that, I mean, exactly what you just talked about. They had to pour a lot of extra energy into Penn State, and they just ran out of gas against Iowa, who just got into a bowl game at 7-5. and five. Granted, that should not have been a 31-point game by any stretch of the imagination, although that's what it ended up being. Ended up being but So it's, it's just the idea that, that, yes, that's a terrible loss, but Ohio State had to do something the week before that Alabama didn't have to do the whole year. And then having to do that helped influence their terrible loss. The terrible loss didn't happen in a vacuum. Now, again, I've said all along it was a loss of execution, not emotion. They screwed that game up royally. But, but a, season, a, a college football season is a soap opera. It's, everything is connected to everything else. And so when everything else is kind of easy and one other, another team has everything else that's kind of hard, it helps explain why Ohio State should not have had that result. They should not lose by 31 points to Iowa. But when you look at what their two seasons were like, it makes sense that Ohio State would be more likely to have a result like that than Alabama, which just put it on cruise control for two months, and then when they got to the game that they couldn't lose, they could not compete with Auburn. They could not compete with Auburn, who then could not compete with Georgia. And Alabama finished the season with a loss and a week off and got in. So um, at least even Ohio State, and, and I don't think that stuff at the end of the year really should matter anymore, but last year Ohio State beat Michigan in its last regular season game. It proved in the end like it can't... I don't know. Like, like Alabama... Alabama's Auburn game was so tough. If Alabama had to play the week after Auburn, you know what they might have done? Lost. Lost by 31. Yeah. But guess what? They didn't have to play, so they got to stay at home and make the playoff. I don't know. I'm very angry. I'm an angry person. I think it's just that I tend to be an angry person. Let me. We have a theory that we talked about at Canes in our groggy, groggy state. Lots of people were saying that Gene Smith on the committee might somehow swing it to Ohio State. Is it possible, Bill, that it swung it away from Ohio State? Yeah, I think so. It, it's, and I think we, we touched on it when we first got the news that Gene was joining the committee. It was that the, the Big Ten voice in the room wasn't going to be in the room when Ohio State was being discussed in any capacity. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean Ohio State as a top four team. It can be in Ohio State as the tenth team. It doesn't matter. Gene can't be in the room when Ohio State's being discussed. Um, and I think that works to Ohio State's detriment. You want someone in the room talking and pumping up your conference. And that wasn't, I mean, I'm sure Gene, when he could, talked about how good the big, uh, big Ten was, especially when you're talking about teams like, me, like Penn State and Michigan State and uh, Northwestern and Wisconsin. Um, but there was no voice in favor of how tough it is to win the Big Ten when it came time to discuss the merits of Ohio State, and there's not going to be for as long as Gene Smith is on the committee. Um, So I think it's possible that he made a mistake because Ohio State, by adding an Ohio State person in the room, Ohio State lost support in the room. And and then also it's like the reverse perception thing of, it's like if it's close, well, you know what, if we put in Ohio State, everyone's going to think we put in Ohio State just because Gene's here. But if we don't put in Ohio State, we'll look like stand-up guys mm-hmm. because Gene's here and we screwed his team. Yeah. Look how look how stand-up we are. Um, okay, I, I don't want this to only be about the playoff. Um, here, here's a theory that I've seen people throw out there, and I don't like it. Are you deviating deviating away from the playoff now? I'm I'm, I'm deviating to a 
playoff thing that's related to the game, the Big Ten title game. Can I ask one quick, just yes. can you say yes or no? If Alabama won the SEC, is Ohio State in the playoff? Yes. I think so, too. At 13-0 or 12-1. If Alabama beat Auburn and won the SEC, then yes. Is Ohio State in the playoff? Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah. We knew that at the time. That weekend, when Alabama, we said all along, the greatest threat for Ohio State was Alabama or Miami with one loss. Um, it would have been an even greater threat. to, And that's the thing, too. I could even buy this a little more if, if Alabama had lost, had beaten Auburn and then gone and then lost to Georgia, mm-hmm. and they took both teams from the SEC title game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that loss, you knew in the moment that loss was trouble for yeah. them, yeah. that that loss was trouble for them. Okay. Is there, and I saw people tweet this, and it, I, I'm a little, as much as I would have, I've said I would have benched JT for Dwayne Haskins after the Oklahoma game, I was aggravated by people tweeting during the game as JT Barrett basically went on three limbs instead of four, was leading Ohio State to a Big Ten championship. People saying, man, we should have played Haskins. If Haskins was playing, we would have won by 30, and that would have gotten us in the playoff. Um, like it just showed like it just to me was like a lack of appreciation for what JT was trying to do. And again, cause you know what you're doing there? You know what you're doing there? You know what you're doing there? I like the echo in here. I feel like someone's going to come out and be like, what the, who is screaming in here? Who's Buckeye talking in the Woody? <laughs> Guess what? Guess what JT Barrett and Dwayne Haskins are an analogy for a perfect analogy for what? Ohio State and Alabama. JT is Ohio State and Dwayne Haskins is Alabama. And all you Haskins people are eye-testing yourself into oblivion (laughs) and sitting and and watching your team in the Big Ten Championship game, watching JT Barrett. He said it should have been a three- or four-week recovery time. He played in six days. For you, for you, Buckeye Talk listener. For me. And you're tweeting during the game, ah, Put Haskins in. We'd win by forty. Oh, I thought you meant you were just going with that. I don't mean. I didn't mean he won for me. I meant it would take me four weeks to recover from that. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's going to take us four weeks to recover yeah. from getting four hours sleep, uh, much less a scope. So, is there anything to that? A, if they would have said JT, we're not going to let you do it. We're not going to let you do it. You had to have the surgery. We're not playing you. It's not your decision. It's six days. Is too soon. It's a three or four week recovery time. It's not even a thought. Dwayne, it's you. JT, come bring your scooter. Cheer. It's Dwayne. Would Ohio State have won by more and won more impressively on Saturday night? That's, that is a hard question. I kind of think maybe they would. I definitely understand why JT played. I mean, you could tell that even though he had the surgery, when, you, when as Urban Meyer said, you're getting 15 hours of treatment a day, we knew you kind of figured he's playing. And to his credit, he didn't look completely like a guy who was six days off surgery. I mean, he had two interceptions and he was below 50% on his completions. But he did, I mean, <laughs> to run 17 times, six days off surgery, it kind of... It's, 19 times. 19 times, I'm sorry, even more. It speaks more to just his toughness. And the intangibles, I think, what people will forget about JT Barrett after the Cotton Bowl when he won't be a Buckeye anymore. I think those are the things that people forget. But as far as on-field stuff... What was available in the passing game, down the field, JT missed a couple throws. I feel like Haskins, just on arm talent, could have 
maybe he has a better chance to hit at least one of them. And if it hits one of them, it's a different game. They would have had one more touchdown if Dwayne Haskins played. JT missed two touchdown throws at the end of the first half um, to a wide-open K.J. Hill and a wide-open Johnny Dixon, I believe it was. Uh, another missed touchdown was because Johnny Dixon dropped the ball and should have been a touchdown and it wasn't. Um, I've always kind of rejected the idea that, like, or the assumption that Dwayne Haskins is just going to step in and start throwing nine touchdowns a game. Um, I think maybe by the end of their Ohio State careers, yes, you'll probably think that Dwayne Haskins is a better quarterback. I don't think he will have done more for this program than what JT Barrett did. And I think if JT felt he was good to go, he deserved to play in the Big Ten Championship. And Urban Meyer was going to live and die with that. I think he thought that was the right thing, and I agree with that. Um, maybe if Dwayne Haskins plays, it's 35-21 or whatever. 35-21 I don't think makes a difference. Um, because you're also assuming then that JT, after his surgery, wouldn't have played in the playoff, and he would have. He would have been healthy. It would have been Dwayne in the Big Ten Championship and JT in the playoff. The committee would have known that. The committee would have been evaluating Ohio State with JT Barrett as its quarterback. I don't think that would have changed. Um, so I kind of I reject the notion that if Dwayne Haskins would have played, Ohio State would be in the playoff. Would you say that any Ohio State fan that wanted Dwayne Haskins on Saturday night is a secret eye-testing tide lover? No, that's pretty mean. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to... Maybe not. Maybe not. Unless you're talking like laundry detergent. Though, yeah. yeah. It's just... I, I, I just... Uh, if you wa- if you could like have seen... Like, I'm very emotional. I'm having a very emotional weekend. Yeah. Urban Meyer is having a very emotional weekend, too. And he had a warm glow about him talking about his team at the uh, <laughs> news conference after they got left out of the playoff. And I said, like, Urban, there's just, like, a vibe about you. Like, why are you that way? And he said, well, I'm very tired. (laughs) (laughs) And I sent a tweet on Saturday morning, a sentimental tweet about how much I love our Buckeye Talk listeners. And I do love you, but I was also very, very tired. (laughs) And my guard was down, and I just was open to a world of love. And that is what the playoff committee... The playoff committee opened Urban Meyer to a world of love. Mm -hmm. Um, But... you, you had to see JT in that moment. You had to see JT, for all he's done for this program, get to go over and hug his mom after winning the Big Ten Championship. I cannot imagine him being in that building again and not playing. And I know there's a lot of people who are saying, you know, these are amateur athletes. They're putting their bodies on the line. There should be independent medical evaluators who give them information. I talked to his mom. She had no problem with him playing. She trusted Ohio State. Um, every life is a collection of experiences. And when it comes to your brain, it's different. When guys are putting their brains on the line and rushing back from concussions and hiding concussions, that's different. That's your brain. And your brain always comes first. I think in exceptional circumstances, I think sometimes it's okay if your knee doesn't come first. Do you agree with that? Yeah. No, I do. I think, yeah. <coughs> if, he was, if he was dealing with head issues, I don't think he would have. He should have played, nor would he have played. Um, he was functional. He was able to play. So I'm, I was fine with it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Bill, and in your game story, you brought up a point that I, it felt like JT wanted to prove it to himself, that like he owed it to himself to get a Big Ten title ring for himself, because he was on the sideline, I believe on that scooter, and he watched Cardale Jones mm-hmm. just slice and dice Wisconsin for 59 points. I think, I mean, JT is a national championship ring. He, he led Ohio State to that conference championship game before he got hurt. I think maybe he owed it to himself to do everything he could to play in that game, and he did some good things. He played okay. He had those two picks, including that really bad one, Andrew Van Ginkle, that set up the pick six to tie the game. If you're playing a Buckeye Talk uh, podcast bingo, you may put a 
quarter on the Van, Van Ginkle Square. Thank you. Um, well, I mean, I should say you are welcome, but I think it's more of a testament to the kind of guy he is that he wanted to finish what he started, that maybe it was three years deferred of not getting his Big Ten title, that if he was going to do anything else in his football career, he wanted to have a Big Ten title he could call his own. And then, to end it all, he's going home. That's going to be, they're going to make a journey about that. I think it's that. cool. I think it's cool. Like, he's from Wichita Falls. Is about, it's about two and a half hours, I think, like, north, northwest of Dallas. So it's not quite home. He's not, like, he didn't go to high school in Dallas. But he, he said, like, his mom was going to, like, start auctioning off tickets to people. Um, I think he's going to end his career without playing for a national championship at Ohio State. And that's something that people will always talk about. Um, I think this could be a very nice bow on JT Barrett's career if he's able to go beat USC at home in his final game. And again, in the place where they won the national championship that he didn't get to play in. Um, Is this... uh, I I find it very interesting that now they've been to three Big Ten championship games, Ohio State has, and they've they've had three separate results. They had the loss that kept them out of the final BCS National Championship game in 2013, the Urban Meyer eating pizza in the golf cart game. They had the unbelievable win in 2014 that absolutely propelled them into the playoff and gave them the chance to win that national title. And now they have this, which is they won, but it still didn't get them in. I think, and I wanted to ask a question about this, except it's it's an obvious question, but, and there's a second question that I'll ask you guys, the listeners. How different is it that they won but didn't get in as opposed to if they had gone and lost that game to Wisconsin and didn't get in? Is there some um, heroic, you know, grit shown by we went and did what we had to do? Now, we didn't get as many style points as we could have, but we won the game and they didn't put us in as opposed to we blew it. Like, do you think – are they feeling – how are they feeling today in terms of not getting in? Is that different than if they just would have been like, well, we lost to Wisconsin, Wisconsin's in, we blew our shot? I mean, the, the sense of regret, I'm sure, is, is amplified because I think you think about the Iowa loss a little bit. But I, 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 are you asking, like, if they would have, would have rather lost the Big Ten Championship? No, I think, is it, does it feel like, do you think like you're, I don't know, it's the wrong word, but like almost like you're a martyr now that it's like, oh. we won and you took it away from us, committee, as opposed to like, we lost. Like that, that, that in 2013, like they blew it. But here in the moment, yeah, they blew it against Iowa, but they didn't blow it against Wisconsin. They won. They just didn't make it. You know what I mean? Like it feels like there, there's some warm glow. Is Tim May Tim whistling? Tim May is sitting on the floor over there. I couldn't see him. Tim May is in the Woody whistling. <laughs> I thought it was haunted. God. It's like the ghost of Paul Brown. Not, yeah. <laughs> I would say it's not October anymore. We don't need this to feel like a haunted house. I get, what, I get what you're saying. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I, I think I think they, I think they'd rather. First of all, I think rationalizing it that way make it, like it's it's better this way. I think you would rather feel like you had it taken away from you than than you gave it away. Yeah. Um, so no, I think they would, they would definitely prefer this. Chris Worley was in the locker room after the Big Ten title game, and said that this felt better than winning fifty nine nothing, which like blew my mind. But he said like we had to earn it. Like he said like that. He said fifty nine nothing came too easily. 27-21 was earned, and he, he enjoyed that better. And he also enjoyed, like, the unknown 
of they didn't know like they won fifty nine nothing. They were pretty sure they were going to the playoff. They weren't sure if they were going this time. And like the suspense, he liked that too. But mostly, he liked the fact that he thought they played a really good football team. The game was in doubt, and they like gritted it out. And so the idea of this though, this is the second part of this. Ohio State got Alabama in the playoff. Yeah. If Wisconsin wins that game, Wisconsin's in. How do you feel about that, Ohio State fans? Would you rather have lost and kept out Bama? Like, do you hate Bama enough that you'd take the L? Or do you want the win, the chips fall how they fall, Alabama's in, so be it. You can, like, be mad and complain, but at least you got the win. Or, like, is it killing you that you got Bama and that Bama was rooting for you? Like I said, every person, every Alabama fan on Saturday night was saying, Go Bucks!" And then the minute Ohio State won, they said, You suck. Go Bucks!" <laughs> and then one minute later, You suck. Because they needed Ohio State to win to knock out Wisconsin, but then they needed Ohio State to not be good enough to get in above Alabama. Should that drive Ohio State fans crazy, Tim? Or is it just like, now I'm too far off the deep end of like, if this, then that, if this, then that. You take the win, and then so be it. I, I, I'm going to sound like I'm waffling, but I'm, I can definitely... Don't, don't waffle. <laughs> well, I think when you... Stick to it, I think, and when we tell you you're wrong, you can tell us I think you, when you say oh, yeah. that, though, Doug, I think it's almost like going down the rabbit hole of the thousands of what-ifs. Love know, rabbit like, holes. Like like the idea of the butterfly effect. You know, you change... Hate one, butterflies. What's another animal? <laughs> I hate butterflies. Go ahead. Okay. He has an irrational fear of butterflies. I'm scared of butterflies, for real. <laughs> now everybody knows it. All right, well, I'll have to... Think of something to do with It's beautiful wings tricking you. It's beautiful wings tricking you, and then they have creepy, crawly legs. Don't fall for it, Tim. Um, I feel like, in some ways, even though Ohio State fans would want to obviously be in the playoff, I think the last thing you want to do is lose to a team to get them in. And I, I think if, if the result was reversed, you would have let one get away and see a team that you felt like you should have been get into the playoff instead of you whereas I feel like in Ohio State's case they had a chance they they lost a lot of their chance a month ago we just didn't realize how much that cost them a month later but I think it come down it comes down to controlling your own destiny you'd rather win and see where everything goes even Urban Meyer talked about it, no matter what happens on December 29th in Dallas Texas they'll be able to put 2017 Big Ten, Big Ten champs on the wall in the Woody Hayes in the Woody Hayes Athletics in the team room, the event it it hurts now. The guy he talked about how the guys were devastated. I think five years from now they'll realize, okay, we beat Penn State, we beat Michigan, we beat Wisconsin to win a Big Ten championship. Like that, those are things I think in the moment, considering what happened, they you can eventually become okay with. And by the way, if you are one of the I don't want Ohio State to make the playoff and get Same killed way. people, then you are you should be very happy today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Rank in order the overall goodness of the last three Ohio State teams, 2015, 2016, 2017. What was the best team? What was the second best team? What was the worst team of those three? The best team was 15. Uh, that's not, I don't think that's an argument. Um, I think this it's tough. It's like they were much better on defense last year and they're much better on offense this year. I think it's tough to, to split them up. I, I, would, I think this, is, this 2017 team is a little better than 2016. This defense is not awful. I know it's looked awful at times. The offense last year was awful. Um, and it, like, let down the defense. How good That was a championship defense, and the offense let it down. Um, I thought this was a much more balanced team, better team. So I'd say 15 first, 17 second, 16 third. Do you agree with that, Tim? Completely agree. 
Okay, I agree with that as well. Um, so then, what is what are we to make of the idea that only the only one of those three teams that got in the playoff was the team that we think is the worst of the three, <laughs> and that absorbed a shutout loss that now is like sort of hanging around the neck of this program still? Is that just like that's the way it goes, or is it like a weird, cruel twist that that there may be? a way that college football national, you know, the, the nation looks at Ohio State a certain way, and it's like you try to explain, well, listen, the 2016 team overachieved, should not have made the playoff, probably should not have been put in by the committee, and got shoved into a spot that they couldn't handle and got shut out. The 15 and 17 teams each lost games they couldn't lose, but if they would have gotten in, they would have had a much better chance of doing something. Like, that's, I think that's a reality. So let me ask this specifically, Tim. If this was... To, if this Ohio State team had gotten in and played Clemson, like, what do you think would happen? Are we looking at 31 nothing again? No, because I, I think we talked about it. Clemson's not as good as they were last year, and Ohio State's better than they were last year, particularly on offense. I think it would have been – Clemson probably still would have won. I would have gone maybe 34-20 or something, 34-21 or something like that. I feel like Ohio State would have gotten some touchdowns. They would have done better ultimately than Clemson's defensive line, which is an NFL defensive line with guys like Cleveland Farrell, Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins. Those guys alone make that defense absolutely incredible. And Kelly Bryan would have done some things. I like Deion Kane as a receiver. They have a really good freshman back in Travis ADN who's done some really nice things. How do you know these guys? I watch a lot of college football. I just uh, I watch I don't none. Watch, I don't watch enough, apparently. <laughs> well, I, do, I don't, if you're not paying me to watch college football, yeah. I'm not watching. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm even if I weren't doing this, I'd still be watching a lot of college football, anyways. But it would have been closer. I think ultimately Clemson would have won, but it would not have been 31 nothing. They would have. It would have been a much tougher game for Clemson. I think. I can name all the characters on Modern Family, though. <laughs> um, Al Bundy. <laughs> Uh, <coughs> did you know Al Bundy scored four touchdowns in this four touchdowns in the city championship game? Like Al Bundy or the Red O'Neal? How, how does it feel that, Bundy. that every fact that you say, Tim has a fact that trumps it? Yeah. He has a better fact than you. I'm just trying to make a joke, and the guy's yeah. coming over the top and making me feel stupid. <laughs> um, you know, so can yeah. I answer that question? I can't even remember what I asked. If they would have played Clemson, oh, yeah. it would have been 31. I don't think I think Clemson is better. Um, but I don't think it would have been 31 nothing. I think it would have been a game. I think it would have been a game, no matter who Ohio State played. I mean, think even, even a rematch with Oklahoma, I know it was, was a 31-16 when they played here. I think that's a different game on a neutral field. I think Ohio State's better than it was then. Oklahoma's probably better than it was then, too. But um, I think Ohio State was a team that, that was capable of maybe winning a national championship this year. And the players said that. They have to say that. But I, I kind of believe them. We've seen this team at its best. Maybe people don't think Michigan State's great, and I would agree. Maybe they're not great, but they're pretty good, and they smoked them forty-eight to three. They statistically dominated Penn State. I think Ohio State could have could have done something if they got into the playoff. Um, but the other thing I wanted to say is, um, do you know what remains true for Ohio State as it pertains to the playoff? No. A year early is the right year. Oh shoot! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wrote that right. Just something yeah. about even years. But you would have you would have looked and said, because again, like yeah, the guys who won it in fourteen were sophomores and they came back as juniors and didn't win it. And in in sixteen, they were the youngest team in the country. This year, they're stacked with fifth year seniors. Yeah, there is no such when you're a program. There is no such thing as a year. Every year is a year. So should we do a little tease for people before we get into? I guess we'll talk about USC. We have a month to talk about USC. Um, but let's just give people a little, little tease because we know you guys like this. And actually, it's kind of fun, too. All right. Given that line of thinking, 
how good might Ohio State be next year, and could Ohio State be a playoff team in 2018? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I, the most fascinating thing, and we could talk for an hour about it, is what they're going to do with the offense, depending on who the quarterback is. If you think and it's, if, we will talk for an hour about yes, it if you, sometime this month. If you think it's Dwayne Haskins, the offense is going to change. If you think it's going to be Tate Martell, it's going to be the offense you've seen, I think, enhanced tremendously because he's just a more dynamic runner than JT Barrett is. Um, yeah, they're 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 a play they're a playoff team they're a playoff caliber team every year I think but I think like turnover from from old guys to young guys like gives a jolt to a program and that's going to happen next year they're going to lose a lot of fifth year guys like you said a lot of seniors um, so they'll be young they'll be inexperienced but they will be very very talented because the 2017 recruiting class will be in its second year and it's the best recruiting class Ohio State's ever had. All right, who wants to play? Name that starting lineup. Yeah, I'm, this is for you, Buckeye Talk listeners, because yeah, this stuff is fun. It's fun, and you might be sad. You might not have adopted the groggy, sleep-deprived, warm glow of Urban Meyer and Doug Maurice. Hmm. Um, so, if you haven't let this affect your warm glow, who's the starting quarterback next year? Everybody can say their answer at the same time. Dwayne Dave, Haskins, Dave Martell. It's going to be Dwayne Haskins. They're going to be sad. All right, starting running back is J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins. Is Mike Weber back, yes or no? No. 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 Um, who are the – who are – are they – what's like the receiver, receiver rotation? Let's do the outside receiver spots first. Is it – nobody has to leave. Is it basically the same? Is it Austin Mack, Ben Victor, Johnny Dixon, and Terry McLaurin again? Or do we work in people like Jalen Harris, maybe Maybe Trayvon Grimes if he comes back, yeah. um, or or is there something else that happens there? I think there's gonna be there's gonna be someone gone. I don't know who. Mac is back. Mac has to be back. Victor's back. He has to be back. Um, I think maybe Johnny Dixon might be gone. I think it's possible Terry McLaurin's gone. Um, so I'll say Mac and Victor and Harris, and I'll I'll say that I think Trayvon Grimes will be back with the program. So those four. All right, I'll let Bielek do the H-backs then. What are the, what are the H-backs going to look like? It's K.J. Hill and Paris Campbell right now. Uh, talking with Dar- DeMario McCall in the locker room, he d- definitively said, I'm an H. Who's back there, and what's that rotation look like? I think Paris leaves to go to the NFL. So I think K.J. Hill's H number one, and then McCall's H number two. And I'll say I think K.J. Hill has done a great job, I think, at H-back. He's shown a lot more, I think, than we thought. He showed he's he's an incredibly reliable receiver. I think he had one drop all season. He's a guy that JT Barrett trusted all season, and Dwayne Haskins in the Michigan game as well. You need a you need a third down play. You're going to KJ Hill because you know he's going to get you the football, and he's got just enough just enough speed and athleticism to get you the yards you need. And I think we've Bill suggested this, and we've seen this before. Jalen Marshall was an H when they needed to make Braxton Miller an H. They moved Jalen Marshall to the outside. Mm-hmm. If they want to play Demario McCall and everybody else is back, I think you can make KJ Hill an outside receiver. Sure. I'm not Ben Victor is not doing things to earn playing time. Ben Victor is dropping passes, mm-hmm. a lot of passes. There's nothing that tells you Ben Victor has to play. So if you want to play Demario, if you're if the choice is one of those things, you you got versatile guys. If the choice is like play Demario or play Ben Victor, I'm playing Demario. Yeah, for sure. So that means. Now your H's are, if everybody's back, your H's are Paris and DeMario. You move KJ outside. And now if everybody's back, your outside guys are Mac, KJ, Dixon, McLaurin. Yeah, and don't forget Rashad Berry as well. I mean, he'll be, I think. We didn't get the tight end yet. Okay, well, I mean, I'll just say he could. I know that you're the Rashad Berry beat writer, Tim. (laughs) We will get to him. Is Rashad Berry the starting tight end? Tim Bielek, Rashad Berry beat writer, go ahead. Yes, and first, I mean, Bill's the punter guy. I got to be the tight end. Got to be the skill guy. Bill has punting, offensive line, 
And Tate Martell. And Tate Martell. Um, I have rants, and you get the tight end. All right, so Barry's, because Marcus Baugh's gone. Marcus Baugh, who's played very well the last half of the year. Um, Rashad Barry's, do we think Rashad Barry's the guy, or or is Jeremy Ruckert going to be the guy? Barry will be the guy. Wait, wait, wait. With the tight end guy. Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, Barry Barry showed... Didn't play a lot, but I feel like he showed enough where, you know, he could be a receiving threat. He had, he's shown he's improved as a blocker. That's a mismatch threat that I think either Haskins or Martell, Martell are going to love to have early in 2018. A guy who's 6'4", 6'5", who can go up and catch jump balls like that in a situation. I think he could carve out a really nice place for him next season. Do you think it's like Ruckert is like in a rotation with him, though? They have a lot of tight ends scheduled to be back next year. Barry, Kier Hawkins, Luke Farrell. Jake Hausman and then Ruckert coming in. And I feel like I'm missing one. AJ Alexander, who's didn't play this year because he's injured. I don't think all those guys will be back next year. Um, so Barry's one. <coughs> that's that's pretty solid. Um, I think maybe Farrell is two, or like Farrell and Ruckert are two A and two B. So yeah, I think Ruckert plays. He's he's a very unique skill set that they don't have right now. So I think he'll be in the mix. So then the starters on the offensive line, they're losing Billy Price, they're losing Jamarco Jones. Um, Michael Jordan will be a starter. Demetrius Knox will probably be a starter. Brandon Bowen will probably be a starter. Isaiah Prince will probably be a starter. Do we agree with those four? And guys have to move around. Someone has to become the left tackle. There's a bunch of guys they have that can play that tackle spot. I think almost actually all four of those guys could play tackle. Yeah. Maybe not Knox, but Jordan, Prince, and Bowen could. One of those three will be the left tackle, right? I don't know what they're going to do because you're, 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 I feel like you're painting a scenario in which Wyatt Davis doesn't play next year. And I'd be pretty surprised if that was the case. And I think you're all, also forgetting about Thayer Munford, who stepped in as a freshman. You mm-hmm. consider all the receiver, all the linemen, excuse me, that Ohio State recruited. The one freshman who played this year was Thayer Munford, and he was the last guy in the class. All right, so I think so. Who, so Prince, you think Prince could leave maybe? No, I don't think. I, All right, so Prince plays, right? Prince is a starter. I think there are two starters. Prince and Jordan? Yes. I think Bowen's a starter. They loved him. That guy won a job he shouldn't have won, and they thought he played well. I think Knox has been better. Maybe a little better. I don't, I don't know. I think play, playing – I just don't like playing a guy that big at guard. So, um, but, but, maybe, but maybe Bowen's your tackle then. So Bowen and Prince are the tackles. Who's the center? I don't know. Who's the, Taylor? Who's the center? Wyatt Davis. I don't know if, if Wyatt Davis has been taking center snaps or not. Yeah, I don't know who the center is. Um, I think Jordan's a tackle. If you want him to be, I think Jordan could be the like If Jordan's a left tackle and Prince is the right tackle, Bowen stays a guard. Then you have a guard in the center spot open for Knox, <coughs> Davis, <coughs> Malcolm Pridgen still hanging around. I think there's going to be a lot of competition. I'm not, it's, I'm, I, I can't go be confident saying anything other than Prince and Jordan will be starting. As the offensive line beat writer, is that a group that's going to be Fine, or is that a group to be concerned about? Losing Jamarco and Billy Price, who are two All-Big Ten starting linemen. I am concerned about the tackles. I think the guards can be pretty good. I think there's, they're starting to get good depth there. Demetrius Knox, I thought, I think has been very, very good in the time he's been asked to play since the Bowen injury. Um, tackle depth concerns me, because right now the tackle depth is like, Jamarco's gone, you have Prince, and then it's Thayer Munford is a true freshman, will be a true sophomore, and you have Josh Allaby who's a converted defensive tackle, who's the other, who's the opposite tackle, and they're bringing in probably Jackson Carmen. I don't think he'll be ready to play as a true freshman. Um, I, don't think, I don't think any of the freshmen they're bringing in are going to be ready to play tackle next year. All right, let's move to defense. Let's start in the secondary. Denzel Ward's going to be gone. That's going to be a huge hole. 
Um, is Okuda ready to be the next great corner? Is Damon Arnett ready to be the next great corner? Or for the first time in years, are they not going to have a first-round caliber cornerback starting next year? I think it's reasonable to expect they're not going to have a first-round guy, although I do want to say that I feel like Damon Arnett and Kendall Sheffield have really improved throughout the season. Arnett, you know, had a great November after the Iowa game. Last three, four games, he's been very good. Sheffield seems like he's come along. I can see a situation where Ohio State's three top corners next year are some combination of Arnett, Sheffield, and Okuda. And Okuda, when he got a chance to play for Arnett, who I believe it was Sheffield, was banged up at the end. He did a good job on a play. On a, I think it was like third and 20 or whatever. He broke up a pass intended for Danny Davis of Wisconsin. He's a guy who made a couple big plays on special teams. I think he's ready to get some playing time next season at Corner. He's got it. I mean, he's a five-star recruit who's gonna who played special teams as a freshman. He's got to make an impact as a true sophomore, right? I think he's a dude. I think he jumps to the front of the line. And then Sheffield and Arnett, they like Marcus Williamson, who's been hurt this year. Um, I, I like their depth of corner. I think Okuda will be, well, by the time 2018 rolls around, Okuda will be the top corner. And then Sheffield, Arnett, and some young guys behind them. And don't forget Sean Wade as well, who read Healthy Sean Wade, yeah, that's a good point. It's a really good uh, it could be Okuda and Wade. Like Wade, is, Wade was also a five-star, and he's been hurt too. I think he had surgery, right? Um, yeah, they're, I think they're okay. They're, they're young if they start Okuda and Wade, but they're talented and deep. And they always can move a corner. When they get a log jam at corner, they move guys to safety. Damon Webb was a corner at one point. Uh-huh. Damon Webb is leaving. Jordan Fuller is certainly going to be one of the starters at safety. Maybe Isaiah Pryor at the other safety spot. Maybe one of these corners moves to safety if they have too many guys there. Maybe Sean Wade to safety. Maybe Kendall Sheffield, who I still don't think is great in coverage, mm-hmm. is a safety. You can find answers there, I think. Um, linebacker, Jerome Baker is going to go pro. Um, Chris Worley's gone. Chris Worley is a fifth-year senior. Uh, I don't think Dante – I would not imagine Dante Booker back in the plans necessarily. No. Um, so I think you're looking at tough Borland. And then new guys, Baron Browning, Malik Harrison, probably. Keandre Jones. Keandre Jones. I asked Baron Browning uh, after the game, we got to talk to some of these guys in the locker room that we don't normally get to talk to, if he's in the middle or he can play anywhere. And, of course, he said, I can play anywhere. I don't, I don't, he's in the middle now, but if Tough Borland, if they think Tough Borland's their guy in the middle, they'll move Baron Browning to mm-hmm. get him on the field. Um, he can play out there. And, and so I think, you know, it seems like Malik Harrison might be that next guy that sort of hybrid safety kind of linebacker for them. So maybe if you have – do you think it's Borland, Harrison, and then some either – and then like a battle between Jones and Browning to be the third guy and maybe all four play? I think all four play. I think Browning wins that battle. So Jones would be the fourth guy in. I'm trying to think who else is in the mix there. Hilliard, I don't know what his deal is. I think he's probably just a special teams guy unless he decides to transfer. Maybe he can do that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's those, those four you mentioned. Yeah, I'm in agreement there. Okay, so defensive end – Bosa and Young and Jonathan Cooper are going to be your top three guys. How good is that group going to be potentially? It could be great. I talked to Chase Young after the game. You know, he talked about how essentially I'm going to write about this during bowl preparation about he just wanted to come in and learn. Like it's not your usual five-star guy who comes in and expects to play right away. He knew what he was getting into going into a team that had four quality defensive ends. He learned a lot as the fifth guy, and Sam Hubbard even joked that Chase Young is going to get ten and a half sacks next season. I think by like game <coughs> by the TCU game gets game three. Yep. Next year, we are going to be saying how the hell did Chase Young not play? And I know he's in a loaded defensive <coughs> end rotation. They have four really good guys. We're all going to go to the NFL. 
Ohio State is going to have two top 10 NFL draft picks playing defensive end next year. And they're going to have B.B. Landers at tackle. B.B.? Um, Who, which I mean, it's like, like it's, next year's going to be the B.B. Landers show. Yeah, I think, get, I think it'll get some more playing time. They're losing Sprinkle. They're losing Draymond Jones, who's certainly going to turn pro, and they're losing Michael Hill. Michael Hill, yeah. So you'll have B.B. I don't know who else you'll have. Uh, Jay Sean Corneau. Haskell who, Garrett. Haskell Garrett. Um, I had a Matt Teron Vincent is the best defensive tackle recruit they have signed since Urban Meyer came here. I think he'll play. Antoine Jackson is a JUCO transfer. He'll be eligible immediately. Borderline five-star when he recruited him originally. Um, I think he'll play. So I think, I think yeah, they're, again, they're going to lose experience, but I think they might be deeper. So, I mean, so again, we're, we're like, they're going to lose a lot of guys, but we're talking about like a Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Jordan Fuller, Jeffrey Okuda, J.K. Dobbins, Dwayne Haskins, Demario McCall, K.J. Hill, Austin Mack, Michael Jordan, Isaiah Prince kind of team. And Drew Chrisman. And Blake Hobbiel as a kicker, right? Blake Hobbiel as a kicker, yeah. And Rashad Berry. And Rashad Berry. Like that are like that's pretty good. Like that might be this year's team was better than 2016. I think I think it's possible next year's team is better than this year's team. Yeah, I mean that would if you asked me to I They're gonna miss JT, man. They're gonna miss him. I think it's hard for you to understand that now. You'll notice it next year. There'll be moments when you notice JT's gone next year. But I think overall, they, yeah, they'll be better. Yeah, the potential for this team, I think, is much higher because you talked about it, Bill. Just the 2017 class ranked sky high. 2016 was also up there as well. We're not yeah. going to really feel the impact of the 2018 class until 2019. It's the old saying about great programs that just reload. This is just the next level of it. And just because these guys are new doesn't mean they're not good. I mean, I guarantee nobody, nobody knew... <coughs> who Jordan Fuller was before this season. Nobody knew who Tuff Gordon was before this season. They've stepped in and had very good seasons, and now they're going to be counted on next season to help be part of the, leading the defense. All right, is there anything we didn't talk about that anybody wants to talk about? Do we want to talk about USC at all, or can we get to that later? No, we can talk about it later. Do you want to go take a nap? I would love to take a nap. i got to drive you guys home first. <sighs> we can walk. All right, that's Buckeye Talk. We're going to keep doing it. We'll do one this week. We'll keep on the Wednesday schedule. We'll figure it out. We'll let you know if we have to ease off the Wednesday schedule if we can't get to a week. You know, because we might have to, like, I don't know, see our families. Yeah. Um, My dog. Your dog. Uh, but but now we'll, we're going to go back to once a week. Unless, like, there is such overwhelming demand that people like a midweek and people like a weekend. Like, there's no game. But we might be able to swing something, like, if you guys want it. But you'd have to really want it. Yeah. Yeah, like and 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 do our job and like bring the topics. Like, what should we talk about for the weekend ones? Just make it as easy on us as it could possibly be. We could do, and um, we could get into. Oh yeah, definitely in favor of making it easy on us. Yeah. We could definitely get into like once if we do if we still do two a week. One could be football with a little food, and one could be food with a little football. Ooh, I like that. So we could go like big picture. Like the, the like the main topic would be like rank your top ten chain restaurants which yeah. like someone asked us about like a month ago yeah. um, or things like that that we could go hardcore on a food thing for like 25 minutes and not feel guilty about not talking football so maybe we'll do that um, okay 
Listen, thanks for the ride this season. Um, it's going to be an interesting bowl game. We'll have a lot of coverage. We, like, we have so many stories. I have a Paris Campbell and KJ Hill story, like big feature stories of them, backed up that I was going to write like a month ago, and I've never had time to get to yet. Those are coming. Bill has a monster Dwayne Haskins piece coming that we didn't have time to get to. As Tim mentioned, we, we talked to guys in the locker room after the game. We talked to Chase Young. We talked to Demario McCall. Uh, we talked to Joe Burrow. We talked to uh, Baron Browning. Like, we've, we've got some things coming with some of these interesting guys. We'll have stories on them. And then we'll have this bowl prep. And we'll have, like, 50 stories on Dar- Sam Darnold and all the Browns going to draft him. So, um, thanks again for Tim Bielek, uh and Bill Landis, who can be followed on Twitter at, at Tim Bielek and at BillLandis25. I'm Doug Maurice. I'm at Doug Maurice. I'm really talking in circles now. <laughs> and I have a warm glow. I have a sentimental warm glow because when I look at this team, this brotherhood, I am filled with pride. The Buckeye Talk Brotherhood. brotherhood. Let's go take a nap. Not together, but separately separately napping simultaneously, but in separate housing. Uh, All right. For Tim and Bill, I'm Doug, and that was Buckeye Talk.